Welcome to the Trinity Western Chapel Podcast. As a vibrant part of life at Trinity Western University, Chapel creates opportunities for us to engage with God's story of redemption in Jesus Christ through His Word, prayer, and worship. We're glad you're listening and hope that you encounter God's heart for you and the world. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I've written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. Above all, you must understand that in the last days scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, Where is this coming he promised? Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters, also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Amen. Hello, everyone. Yeah, just like Jenny introduced, my name is Priscilla, and I'm serving at X Seminaries. You know where, where X Seminaries is. We are in the same campus, and we are a theological school. We provide some yeah, master or doctoral yeah, theology programs. The I'm served. I'm, I'm serving as a chaplain and graduate enrollment, enrollment advisor there. And then, yeah, I'm so blessed to meet you guys here. It's, the, it's my second time. So I'm so honored. Yeah, mm. a couple of weeks ago, I heard a very sad news of someone's death. Now, he was the richest entrepreneur in an Asian country, and his net worth in 2021 was over 141 billion U.S. dollars. He was ranking 144th in the world. Now, he was a very good role model of young entrepreneurs, especially in IT area, but he had been lately been suffering from severe depression and died in his early 50s. In the recent two weeks, we have been praying for Ukraine. Yeah, TW also conducted chapters to pray together for the people whose lives are deeply affected by this war. And many, including children, have lost their lives, and that their safety is threatened, and many have lost their homes. War is tragic and sad. Now, for two years, we have been going through the long tunnel of COVID. The pandemic has completely changed the parents of of our lives, and we have endured so much isolation, loss, and suffering. But praise the Lord, yeah, we can come back with no mic in the chapel. Yeah, it's really such a good news for us. Now, whether for individuals, countries, or world, suffering and adversity do not cease. Some hardships can be traumatic for us. Now, Peter, who wrote the book of Second Peter we read today, was one of Jesus' disciples. The most serious suffering and trauma by, uh, shared, shared by the disciples was that they had no choice but to see Jesus, who they believed would save them, but he helplessly arrested, 
beaten, and even die on the cross. Now, Peter was a disciple who walked closest to Jesus. In the Bible, you can see how much he loved Jesus and how much he close was with Jesus. Now, Peter was one of the first disciples Jesus called. Now, he seems to have been quite confident in his relationship with him. So when Jesus walked on the water, he begged and let him walk too, and he actually did. Now, he even made an absurd plea to Jesus to wash his head and hands when Jesus washed his disciples' feet. Now, when Jesus changed into a glorious shape on the mountain, Peter wanted to build huts and live there forever. When Jesus prophesied that he would suffer, Peter rebuked Jesus for saying it and swore that he would never forsake him. There are special scenes in the gospel where Jesus and Peter are seen together. Yeah, let's see a picture. Yeah. Now, on that night, Jesus, uh, on the night Jesus was arrested, Peter denied three times that he was a follower of Jesus by the fire. And after Jesus was resurrected, he met Peter again, who had returned to a life of the fisherman. And Jesus, at breakfast by the fire, asked Peter three times, do you love me? The, the two events have two things in common. A certain was repeated three times. And these all occurred by the fire. Now, Peter stood by the fire and denied that he knew Jesus three times. And Jesus, in the same way, three times and by the fire, asked Peter if he loved him. Why? Probably Jesus wanted to restore Peter by going back to the same scene where he made a mistake. Now, after that, Peter lived his life as a true disciple. Now, he, we can assume that every time Peter thought of Jesus, he would remember time he met him by the fire. That was the place where he and Jesus had a personal encounter. Now, I'm curious if you have special memory of the place where you had a personal encounter with Jesus. Now, when you were desperate or struggling in pain, do you remember that moment and place? When life is not easy, when we want to give up, we need to go back there. Now, I invite you guys to close your eyes about 40 seconds and think about when and where it was, where Jesus met you, touched you, and embraced you. This place is still there, a place where Jesus will meet you, touch you, embrace you, and hold. Yeah, let's recall the moment and place. Yes, when we suffer, he suffers with us. Yes, when we suffer, God suffers with us. This is the true meaning of Emmanuel, God with us. 
People die in wars and suffer from physical, mental, or emotional illness. We see them and pray earnestly to God to save them and help them. But sometimes God is silent, and he doesn't seem to do anything. It seems that he doesn't even hear our prayers. However, we must not forget that even in those moments, God is not only always with us, but he is with us in our suffering. The two books of Peter um, were letters written to Christians in the early churches who were influenced by Greco-Roman culture. In today's passage, the Apostle Peter clearly explains why he wrote this letter. In verse 1 says that, My dear friends, this is now the second time I've written to you. Both letters remind us to hold your minds in a state of undistracted attention. He says that this letter was written to refresh our memory today. In verse 4, people mock and say, Where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. Even 2,000 years ago, people were saying this. This mockery continues today because it has been 2,000 years since Jesus promised that he will come back, and yet he has not come. We are well aware of the Bible verse where it says that with God, one day is as good as a thousand years, a thousand years as a day. When this promise was not fulfilled 2,000 years later, now people doubt this. However, in God's time, only two days have passed, right? So yeah, the verse 9 also says that, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. It is not that the Lord does not keep his promise, but rather, he is restraining on account of people holding back the end because he doesn't want anyone lost. He's giving everyone space and time to change. God is reaching out to us in our brokenness. Yeah, one of the most common words we hear today is the word multi. Canada, the country where we live, is an example of a multicultural society in the world. In 1971, Canada adopted a multiculturalism policy. Now, over 250 ethnic origins are identified among the Canadian population, and 40% of them reported more than one origin. I think it's common. In one family, two, three, or more cultures coexist. It's our, it's our yeah, real life, right? We live in a multicultural, multi-religious, multi-ethnic society. Then our society advocate, advocates pluralism in politics, culture, religion, and the media. Now it respects diversity and gives people multiple pragmatic options. Now let's remember, however, there cannot be multiple truth. There is only one truth and only one faith. I lived several years in a country where I was involved in missionary work, and there were many religious shrines. 
in the country, and there were hundreds or dozens of gods enshrined in one shrine. The people bought incense and paper money, selected gods they wanted to bow down, and made them offerings and wishes. The more money people spent, the more gods they could worship. Interestingly, Jesus was there too. Jesus is one of the gods in the shrine. The people of that country were not very reluctant to believe in Jesus, but they stubbornly, stubbornly refused to believe in one God. At this, time, at this time, I invite you to take a look at your faith. Is Jesus Christ the only one and his word is the only truth? Or Jesus Christ is the, what, one of the many options you rely on? At the beginning of today's message, we briefly talked about the suffering facing one individual, one country, and the whole world. Now, when hardship come one after another, where do we find ourselves? And what is our identity? The world tempts people to do what they want as if Jesus would never return. But as disciples, we believe and wait for Jesus to come back. If you are scattered, scattered alone waiting for Jesus, this would not give us much hope. But we fight. We fight against pain, fight against depression, and fight against loneliness. But we are not alone. God has given us a community. During the pandemic, we were physically separated but involved in the community in a new way. We took classes together online worshiped together online, and prayed together online. Now, during the pandemic, the world has been connected virtually together, forming a new type of faith network. I recently learned a very beautiful word to describe community. It's Ubuntu. Yeah, Ubuntu. A person is a person through other people. Now, Ubuntu is a South African word which means I am who I am because of who we all are. This is how Ubuntu is de defined. Yeah, Ubuntu is essentially about togetherness. And Ubuntu is an oneness to humanity. Let me share an anecdote about Ubuntu that I found interesting. An anthropologist was studying African tribes, gathered the children of a tribe, and suggested a game. Under a tree, he placed a basket full of fresh and sweet fruits, which were rare in that town, and said that he would give all the fruits to the child who ran to the basket first. However, the children started running together, holding hands. When the children reached the fruit basket, they all sat down together, started laughing, and shared the fruit with each other. The anthropologist was going to give all the fruit to, to one child who arrived first. When he asked why they held hands and ran together, the children answered, Ubuntu. They were saying, if one of us gets all the fruit, all the other children are sad. And how can I be happy alone? The Ubuntu philosophy, I believe, can be a way to restore our lives that have been hardened by war and pandemic. 
According to a data, if one person is happy, an average of five people around that person are happy on that day together. Yeah, just ask people around you, so the front, back, and left and right. Let's, let's ask each other. Are you happy today? Are you happy today? Ask each other. Are you happy today? Yeah, has anyone answered yes? Did you get any yes answer? Please raise your hand. Oh, so awesome. So, yes. So, yeah, I'd like to invite you guys, gather the five people next to the person said yes, and try to stay together with them today. Yeah, a community of six people can be happy together because of one person's happiness. So do you guys remember who said yes? So please go with that person lunch. Have lunch together, okay? <laughs> In this world where suffering seems to never end, the prayer of one person can become a hope of many. The prayers of each of us can inspire hope in the midst of horrors of war and a hope of recovery for those who are, who are deeply depressed in a prolonged pandemic. The ultimate hope of, hope of us Christ Christians is the promise of the second coming of Jesus. There is a word in the Bible that best describes this hope. It's Maranatha. Maranatha. Our Lord come. Maranatha is an Aramaic expression used by Paul in 1 Corinthians 16.22, meaning either our Lord come or our Lord has come. Our Lord Jesus has come already 2,000 years ago, and he is with us as Emmanuel God, even today and all the time. Now, we live on the promise that Jesus Christ will come back. This promise has not yet been fulfilled, but he will surely come in his time. Maranatha, our Lord come. This is our prayer. The world will doubt and ridicule this promise, but we, however, firmly believe and rely on this promise. Okay, in today's message, I shared three points with you. First, when we suffer, God suffers with us. This is Emmanuel, God with us. Secondly, we are not alone. We have hope and can be happy when we stay together. This is the Ubuntu philosophy for our community. Finally, Maranatha, our Lord come. This is our prayer, believing and waiting for Jesus to come back. Yes, I know, life is not easy, but we have an unchanging promise. We will overcome challenges together and become deliverers of blessing and hope to others. Yeah, let us pray. Dear Lord God, please remember all those young generations here to worship you and honor your name. Yes, sometimes our life is really challenging, and but you know everything in them. Yeah, please be the hope of their lives, and they please lead them to be hope and blessing for others. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Thanks for listening. We hope you are blessed and be encouraged in your faith life. Chapel happens every Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 11 a.m. in the gymnasium, or online at livechapel.twu.ca. You can also stay connected with us by following at twu chapel. Until next time, much love.